0: Now for our story. In the courtroom of Judge Hiram Willoughby in Huntsville, the case of Meade v. Calvert was in its second day. The suit for custody of the child Kit had brought back with her from California and presented to her husband and her father as her own was of utmost importance in the lives of many of those present. To Ben Calvert, his daughter Kit, and to Jesse, his wife, the outcome would symbolize either victory or humiliation. To Aunt Marion Lefty and to Aunt Mary's niece Peggy Douglas, the decision of the judge was equally important. And finally, to Bill Meade, who believed himself to be the father of the baby boy, it seemed that his whole future life hung in the balance. Bill, who now sits facing the grave, anxious, or antagonistic eyes of the spectators, as the bailiff says...
1: Raise your right hand, please. Do you solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? So help your guard. I do. Are you ready to proceed, Mr. McKillop? Uh, Thank you, Your Honor.
2: Uh, Don't be looking so worried, lad. Just a few little questions.
1: Now then, your name, please.
2: Bill Mead, sir.
3: Your occupation? Why, I work at the bank. The Wakefield Trust and Savings for Mr. Bowman.
2: And what is the nature of your work at the bank, please? I handle the farm loans and investments. I see. This is a position of considerable responsibility, is it not? Why, yes, I guess you could say it is. In other words, it is necessary for you to gauge the integrity and business honesty of your clients who apply for loans. And you must have an insight into the everyday problems of people, how they think and feel. Uh, Now, Mr. Mead, how long have you known Mr. Ben Calvert, Miss Calvert's father?
3: Why, I met him shortly after I met Kit, uh, my ex-wife. That was a
2: couple of years ago. A couple of years ago. And during that period, prior to your marriage to Mr. Calvert's daughter, and during the course of that marriage, would you say that you got to know Mr. Calvert fairly well? Yes, I would. You had many discussions with him, discussions which revealed his philosophy of life, his approach to business dealings, as well as his attitude towards his fellow man.
4: Oh, yes. You see, I... I
2: object, Your Honor.
4: Mr. Mead's opinion regarding his father-in-law has nothing to do with why we're here. I say these opinions are inadmissible as evidence. On the contrary.
2: I submit that these opinions are the utmost concern to us here, since they relate to the question we have to decide. The custody of the child. The future
1: that child will have. The court upholds the opinion of the attorney for the plaintiff. The question of the infant's environment is valid for our consideration.
2: You may proceed, Mr. McKillop. Oh, thank you, Your Honor. Now, Mr. Mead, have you ever heard Mr. Ben Calvert hmm. utter in your presence a statement of his beliefs which might be considered prejudicial to the future of the young child? Should this child be brought up under the influence of a similar belief?
3: Yes, I have, Mr. McKillop.
2: times. Let me ask you this. During the period of your marriage to your wife, uh, in your day-to-day living, were you aware that your wife's own philosophy of life was at all influenced by that of her father?
3: Oh, yes. Yes, I'd say that Kit's attitude was very much influenced by her early environment. And another
2: thing. I acquainted with a woman by the name of Louise Thorndike?
3: Yes, she was my son's nurse. Until
2: recently. Mm. Now, did you ever talk to Miss Thorndyke regarding the care and treatment of your son in the Calvert home? Especially in regard to your wife's attitude toward the child. Yes, I did, several times. Uh, Mr. Mead, I'd like you to tell the court in your own words the impression you gathered from the statements made by Miss Thorndike on the occasions when you discussed your son's welfare with her. Well,
3: the main thing which worried her was the fact that the baby, my son, lacked for affection and love. She told me that even a young child that age notices the difference, and... And of course, as they get older, it's even much more important for a child to have a feeling of security in the love of his parents. Miss Thorndyke seemed to feel that my
4: wife wasn't interested in the child. Didn't care anything about... I object. This is no gathering for the discussion of child psychology... or the airing of the views of witnesses who have already been discredited in this court... as being prejudiced, and in fact on the verge of mental illness due to frustrations and jealousy... As this woman was revealed in the questioning which took place yesterday... Objection sustained.
1: There is a reasonable doubt concerning the witness under discussion. You may proceed, Mr. McKillop. Very well.
2: Now, Mr. B, I'd like to go back. I'd like to return to the night some months ago... when your wife returned from California with your infant son. I just want to ask you one question. Did you or did you not at that time... Ask your wife to go with you to the home you had provided for her and your child.
3: Yes, I did. The night she returned.
2: You asked your wife to return home with you. And what was her answer? She refused. In other words, you were deprived of your rightful position as regards your child. Deprived of the father's prerogative to watch over his son. Because your wife refused to leave her father's home and live with you in your own home. As the natural family should. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, Mr. McKilliff, that is correct. That will be all, thank you. Your witness,
1: Mr.
4: Farnsworth. Mr. Farnsworth, do you wish to question the witness? I most certainly do, Your Honor. My worthy opponent has attempted to make something out of nothing. He's attempted to prove, when there is no proof, that Mr. William Meade is everything a devoted father should be. Well, I propose to let you see that Mr. William Meade has not shown himself to be a devoted father. And that on the contrary, he has been guilty of actually
2: neglecting the child of whom he pretends to be so fond. I object to the word pretends as a slur on the honor and integrity of my client. Objection sustained.
1: Clerk? Strike from the record of whom he pretends to be so fond.
4: You may proceed, Mr. Farnsworth. Mr. Meade... You live in the town of Wakefield, do you not? Yes, I do. What is your address there? I live at the Wakefield Auto Court. How many rooms do you occupy, if you please? Why, there's just one room, and a kitchen and bath. One room? You live in one room. And yet you have the audacity, the complete mm. irresponsibility, to ask for the custody of your child? A child who since birth has been accustomed to the utmost in luxury and comfort? Who lives in a nursery especially prepared for him? Who I object to. Objection
1: overruled. The question of physical environment is pertinent and admissible as evidence.
4: Proceed. You work at the Wakefield Trust and Savings Bank, Mr. Meade, is that correct? Yes, I just said so a few minutes ago. Please, Mr. Meade, just answer the questions. We're not interested in hearing your comments on the questions put to you. What's your salary, Mr. Mead? My salary? Oh, I don't... I mean... I'd rather not... uh... What's the matter, Mr. Meade? Are you ashamed of your salary? because you know that the stipend David Bowman pays you is insufficient to support your son, to give him the care that he... I he'll... object. Objection sustained. Very well. You refuse to give us the exact sum you earn. I'll tell you this. I make an adequate wage. An adequate wage, you say? Adequate for what, may I ask? Enough to rent a miserable, squalid, one-room apartment in the Wakefield Auto Court, into which, if you were, by some travesty of... well, that is, by some stroke of fate... Granted custody of your child, you propose to bring him? To rear him without a mother's love? Or the security provided by a generous grandfather? Is that what you mean by adequate, Mr. Mead?
3: If that's a question, I can tell you this. The salary I earn is amply sufficient for the needs of myself and my son. In fact, many men support a wife and child, and much less.
4: Mr. Mead. You say that many men support a wife and child on the salary you earn. Am I to understand by this statement that you plan to remarry?
3: No, I have no such intention at the present time.
4: Are you sure of that? Certainly I am. And yet it is my understanding that until very recently, you had every intention and desire to marry again, just as soon as your divorce was granted. That, in fact, you planned to marry the same young woman to whom you formerly engaged, the young woman with whom you have frequently been seen during your marriage and subsequent separation. I refer to Miss Peggy Douglas.
0: At these insolent words from the attorney, a deep red flushed Bill Mead's face, a flush of anger and embarrassment which was reflected on the face of the young girl, Peggy Douglas, who drew closer to her aunt, clutching Aunt Mary's blood hand tightly for reassurance and comfort.